I am Sneha Hirimat, founder of Ace Advisors, a consulting firm specialized in external communications. This is Planet BE, a podcast where every week I will take you backstage to meet a private equity player. Today's episode has been sponsored by Chasma Capital, a placement agent and secondary transaction advisor for private equity, infrastructure, and private debt. Jasma Capital covers Europe, North America, Asia-Pacific, and the Middle East. Hello, and welcome to Planet PE. My guest today is Isabelle de Crémoux, CEO and Managing Partner at Seventure. Isabel has 25 years of international business development and finance experience in the pharmaceutical industry. She has notably worked with Pfizer France and Pfizer Europe, where she held various positions within management, clinical research, and business development. She then worked for Laboratoire Fournier, Abbott, as Deputy Director of Business Development before joining Seventure in 2001 to establish the Life Sciences Division. Hello, Isabel. Hello. Perhaps you could begin by giving us an overview of Seventure's activities. With pleasure. So Seventure Partners has been a, a fast-growing um, period over the last decade. Uh, we currently have about 800 million euros under management, and the company was created in 1997. As you uh, correctly mentioned, I joined in 2001 to create the LifeSense department and we progressively change our business model from a retail funds manage, managing company to a company that manages uh, institutional funds with different verticals. For each of our vertical, uh, we have a, a separate institutional fund with dedicated front, of, front office team with various LPs, including both family offices and financial investors, as well as um, strategic corporates. So the different verticals that we have are um, life sciences for human with fund Health for Life 1 and Health for Life 2. Health for Life 2 being now over 200 million euros and still fundraising. Uh, next vertical is digital, did, uh, mainly focusing on fintech, created in 2016. Following vertical is feed and animal health, created in 2018. And the most recent one, created in July 2019, dedicated to sport tech, and more to come. So Seventure is well known for its investments in life sciences and digital tech. Uh, the other two verticals that you mentioned and that started recently are little less heard of. What, for example, prompted you to start investing in sports? Every time we create a new vertical, we actually do the same exercise prior to launching a fund. So first we observe the trend in, in, in our current deal flow. And when we see um, a specific field that, that is growing in terms of numbers of companies raising funds, then it raises our attention. Then we observe the trend in the US looking whether there are dedicated specialist investors in that field. Third, we look at the appetite of big partners for potential acquisitions or financial investors for listing and the level of 
evaluation for acquisition, whether there, there is significant goodwill or not. And last, um, we specifically for the sport, when we look when we look at all those those um, three items and, and, and confirm that indeed this vertical innovation in sport uh, had a lot of deal flow, had specialists in the US, had lots of acquisitions, appetite and listing uh, interests. Then um, we look whether the sector is uh, fast growing or not, whether it is saturated and at its maturity phase or still growing. And in the specific case of sport, uh, we are focusing both on elite as well as ordinary people uh, uh, having sport on the routine life like the Mr. Jones. And the Mr. Jones of this world actually currently um, are paying more per person, having more uh, more hours per month. And there are more and more Mr. Jones around the world that are playing sport. So the sector is fast growing. So all the planets were aligned and we decided to launch a fund. Sounds, uh, sounds quite logical, which basically means that you will probably be opening up new verticals in, in the future. Uh, but I guess that there is something common across all these verticals. What is Seventure's core value add across all of this? Why do entrepreneurs across different verticals raise funds from you instead of other VCs? Uh, thanks for raising that up. Um, it appears that entrepreneurs come for some reasons that are the same uh, for which uh, the corporate investors and the financial investors actually invest in our fund. Uh, and in terms of corporates, we have prestigious names such as Novartis, Danone, Lesaf, Terios. We have two very, very big US-based investors and one big Swiss investors, uh, as well as a Chinese one. And all of those investors come for the, for the same reason uh, as the entrepreneur come to our door, which is our um, proven expertise in, in, in uh, pioneering new fields at the state of the art of innovation. And uh, when I mentioned the different verticals, most of the time within those verticals, we are really pioneering worldwide expert in, in specific segment. As an example, in life senses for human, Seventure uh, has made a, a reputation of being the world leader in investment in the microbiome, which is a fast growing specific subsegment of life senses. And we do the same for, for each vertical. So we are reputed for being really expert of uh, this, the, the segment. In addition, so the, the entrepreneurs, when they knock at our doors, expect that we can help them moving faster ahead in the, with the specific expertise. In addition, we offer a truly international uh, team and international exposure Seventure um, headquarters is headquartered in Paris, but we do have offices across Europe in, in, in many European countries. And our business plan is to uh, then open an office uh, in East Coast US and then probably an office in Singapore short after that. Um, a third point for which entrepreneurs actually come to us is that very, very soon after investment, we offer to them to expose them to high level, um, high level managers of our corporate corporate LPs uh, across the world. And that is something that really appreci appreciate some of them for actually signing deals, signing collaborations or, or distribution deals or whatever. 
but others just for being challenged and for having discussions with top, top decision makers of the world. And last, probably the mouse to ear from CEOs to CEOs um, bring us the reputation of finding the good balance between bringing added value to the entrepreneurs, but not stepping on the entrepreneur's toes. So, and, and that, that is the key, I think. Let's focus a little bit on the life sciences sector since you deployed the strategy yourself at Seventure. Um, you said that you were positioned on the microbiome and, and, and that you are um, a leader in this sector. What exactly explains your unique positioning in this segment? I think it's in every people in the team DNA and culture to spend a lot of time in addition to our routine work of investing, to spend a lot of time in assessing what are going to be the, the businesses of the future. What is the trend in terms of scientific, technical, uh, regulatory, medical, or whatever um, trends impacting the future? And then trying to assess in advance of rece receiving business plans and solicitation from the entrepreneurs, so spending time to really assessing in which sector we think is going to be the next dis disruption, where we think is going to be the next um, biggest um, in increase and expansion of markets worldwide. And that is how we came to the microbiome, looking at the scientific as well as um, consumer, patient, and medical expectation for the future of medicine for the next decade. And once we do that, then uh, once we identify a sector being a new, new sector, um, then we spent a lot of time actually bringing the whole team to a state-of-the-art um, knowledge of this segment on all perspective, building network uh, all, all, all across the world and then um, the success bring the success that the more we invest in this segment the more uh, new companies and and good ones knocked at our door the more lps actually wanted to invest in our funds and that's a virtual virtuous circle so uh, in today's context, uh, obviously we cannot we cannot do a podcast today without talking about the COVID nineteen crisis. How do you see your market evolving? Well, the good thing about being in the life science business is that, uh, and having internally a health expert team, is that we we anticipated the pandemic as soon as we <laughs> saw that it was starting in Asia. Um, it of course impact our business in terms of fundraising as well as in terms of portfolio. However, we think the impact will be relatively limited because of the sectors where we are. Um, the health, the food, the feed, the digital and the sports sectors have been probably less impacted by pandemic than the rest of the other sectors. So yes, of course, there is. there was uh, in the first month this a real fear of the pandemic from a health perspective. Then came the anxiety of, of every actors uh, of the economic crisis that was laying ahead. And at that time, we saw that many LPs, uh, both corporates and financials, 
and financial IPs were actually holding their breath and for a few months until they have a clearer view of what would happen. So for some of our um, current discussions with uh, LPs that were about to invest in our fund, it delayed investment by a few months. Well, we observed that it's now starting back again and that the, the investment committee of the LPs are now um, back on the stage and, and the discussions have been back. So this is the impact uh, so far of the crisis. Um, but if you say that the segments that you invest in have not been that impacted uh, by, by what just happened with the COVID-19, does this mean that going forward, you think that the market um, will basically be the same as before, especially in terms of valuations? Um, it has been less impacted by less impacted by COVID than the other th sectors, but it would it would be lying to say that there is no impact at all. COVID nineteen has impacted everybody every segment um, of every activity. When I say that those sectors have been less impacted than other sectors, it's because um, the health and food and feed expectation from the consumers and from every government in every country on this planet was higher than before. Every country wanted to be more autonomous on those very um, specific and essential um, segment and started to uh, put in place specific governmental national plans to, uh, to, to grow quicker, this kind of sectors, and especially in the small and medium-sized company. Same for digital. And regarding the sport, it's the use of sport that has been um, done differently, more remotely, but more actively by the uh, people on this planet when they were actually locked down. And when you, just for the fun of it, but when you see the, the, you, you, the YouTube um, star that went from zero to 10 million people uh, just for doing fitness lessons, wow, 10 million people for each of them, that's a lot of number for just two month uh, presence. And then when I'm saying less impacted, it's also because we are doing relatively small companies that have no leverage uh, and generally no debt. So their growth is generally financed only by equity or, or assimilated to equity. And what happened is that when they couldn't uh, maintain their activity for a few months, they also suspended their, their spending. So um, the, uh, they stopped the expenses for R&D, they stopped the expenses for uh, pushing the commercial efforts. And so for a while, they were on hold, but they did not have the burden of debt or leverage that some of the bigger company for private equity did have. Therefore, the consequence for that is that those companies are okay in cash. They will be okay in multiple because this on hold period did not impact their uh, their value their, their their medium term value. However, the time that was lost uh, would impact the IRR because it would delay by by the months the months that were lost uh, the date of exit. Then the next consideration could be globally have the the. the 
did we see any impact or do we expect any impact on the global valuation of those business? Probably, uh, probably we will see like a 10 or 20% decrease in valuation in the very short term because of this turbulence. But then because again of the nature of the, the segments, the health, the food, the feed, the digital and the sport are segments where innovation is very important and where the appetite of the big companies for innovation is extremely high. So uh, because the innovations in those companies is relatively rare, meaning um, there's not that many companies to acquire when you're a big company. So the, the fact that the, this rareness will probably maintain acquisition prices. Okay, so the opportunities are, are still there. Yeah. Um, great. Before uh, we end the podcast, because unfortunately time just flies every time uh, I'm, I'm recording this, I would like to ask you if you have any particular advice that you would like to give to a young private equity professional today. I would have many, but, um, <laughs> but if you, um, to focus on just a, a few pieces of advice, um, maybe I'll, I'll mention that investment is long-term involvement. And transactions, making one deal, is just the start of a journey. And um, the boards and the coaching of the entrepreneurs, helping them to succeed, is the real challenge. Therefore, when entrepreneurs who are raising funds approach analysts, associates, principals, or young partners to convince them to invest in their, in their company, it's easier to be in a VC position than raising funds in the entrepreneur's shoes. And it's easier to buy than to sell. And sometimes when people are being contacted and solicited periodically by entrepreneurs, when they are flattered frequently, it's unfortunately not rare that they develop an excessive ego and that they make a wrong use of their job position. So my recommendation for um, uh, younger people in, 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 in private equity would be that long-term success is to stay humble, to stay curious, to proactively continue to learn, to observe, to progress, to proactively continue to raise questions and doubts and not fall in the laziness and comfort which will progressively disconnect them from reality and will have them lo lose their, their, their uh, value on the market. That's a wonderful piece of uh, wisdom. We should definitely all keep our feet on the ground. Thanks a lot, <laughs> Isabel. It was lovely chatting with you. Thanks you. And a big thank you to all our listeners. This episode was sponsored by Jasmine Capital a placement agent and secondary transaction advisor for private equity, infrastructure, and private debt. Jasmine Capital covers Europe, North America, Asia-Pacific, and the Middle East.